Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 23 of the 24 Stories podcast and this week we're going back to retail but we're looking at the more convenience end of the market and I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Horlihy from Horlihy Centra. Welcome to podcast Kevin. Thanks Stephen, glad to be here. Kevin, on top of Horlihy Centra you're also the current president of the Cork Business Association as well. That's right Stephen, yeah. Um, I've one year done um, and I've one year to go. One year done, one year to go. So um, I kind of have a Basic understanding of the business, but I think, am I right in saying that you, it's a family group of shops that you own, like kind of six or seven stores, is it? That's right, yeah. Um, we have seven centres. Uh, four of them are in um, Cork City, three of them located here in the city centre, yeah. one in Bishopstown, and then we have three in North Cork, in Fromoy, Mallow and Mill Street. And how did it all begin? Uh, so the business was started by my dad back in 1980. Yeah. Uh, he was the operations director out in Musgraves. Um, and uh, the central brand then was really just in its infancy. So uh, he would have bought a little corner shop on the Curraheen Road in Bishopstown and there was a little kind of a cottage next to it. Yeah. And at the time we'd been living on Orchard Road. So we yeah. sold up the house there. We moved out to Bishopstown. Uh, myself, my four brothers and my sister. Yeah. I was the youngest of six. And uh, basically my dad kept on working in Musgraves. Yeah. My mother uh, ran the shop, small little corner shop uh, with kind of uh, around two staff. So that's kind of where we started from humble beginnings. So you lived in the actual shop itself, so did uh, you? Pretty or? much, yeah. The, the the back of the kitchen went into the back store and yeah. it, was a, it was a real kind of a typical Irish cottage industry of the 1980s. And like, what, what was Corraheen mm. like back then? Was it a lot quieter than there is now? No, Corraheen and Bishopstown back then was absolutely hopping with children and families being raised. Yeah, so just to put it in perspective, I went to Skull and Spridnave and there was 48 kids in my class. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you'd see that now no. in 2023. <laughs> um, I, I was just bursting at the seams. It was all young families being being reared in the area. And it's interesting actually now in Bishopstown because we, we still own the store there and Bishopstown went through um, a huge transition in the last 20 years of a change of demography mm. whereby, uh, you know, people got old, they got older, they passed away, people sold up their houses and now we're starting to see in Bishopstown a kind of a cohort of younger families moving into the area again. So it's fabulous for, fabulous for the area. Uh, like my own mother still lives out there, she's 86 years of age um, but like surrounding her house now in Umvar, there's a lot of young families moving back in. So this is kind of, I suppose it's a fact of life that that, that neighbourhoods kind of change like change that. Change and evolve over time. Yeah. And uh, I suppose over the years as well, you would have seen, I suppose, the college evolve next door as well, like up the road kind of uh, as such. And more students coming into the area went from an RTC to CIT to... No yeah, it, it's, it's amazing actually uh, what's happened out there now, particularly... Now that it's become a university and it is MTU, I mean, I remember as a small child uh, being down there, you know, on sports days and stuff like that yeah, in the in yeah. the in the track at the back of it, and I'd say there might have been three or four thousand students in 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 the RTC at the time, and I'm not sure the exact number, but it's certainly over twenty thousand uh, in, in yeah. MTU now, which is great. And like in those early days when you opened the shop, I mean. They should, the local shop was always kind of like the cornerstone of the community. Like you probably got to know all the different characters coming in and, you know, like I'm sure you kind of became friends with the community as well, did you? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, Bishopstown was a real kind of a local community area. It was typical of Ireland in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, we were right next to the church and we all know that the church in the 1980s was the kind of the hub of everything that happened yeah. on, a, on a Sunday in particular. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there would have been an awful lot of characters coming in and out. Um, and we used to get a lot of business as well from the likes of Ballinora and Waterfalls. So we used to have a lot of the farming community oh, coming yeah. in back, yeah. in the, back in those days. Um, and, you know... All different types of people, really. And like, in in those days, uh, there was less kind of reliance on kind of supermarkets in the early 80s, wasn't there? Like, that kind of became a phenomenon as time went went on. A lot of people did kind of shopping on a day-to-day basis, kind of the messages they used to call it long ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose when we opened up uh, in 1980, Wilton Shopping Centre would have been the closest shopping centre, which was quite small. There would have been a, a kind of a Quinsworth there at the yeah, time. Yeah. There would have been a Dunn stores down on, on, on uh, the Curraheen Road. And other than that, the, that was it. There was no Aldi's, there was no Lidl's. Um, there might have been some spars or something located around, but not really in the Bishopstown area. So, we would have had a um, you know a, a pretty solid business from day one yeah. of people coming in, and and thankfully it's forty three years later it's it's still uh, it's still going strong. So how did the business expand then? Like did it stay as the one shop for a long time, and then? Uh, you opened up a second one, a third one. How did that work? So, um, what would have happened was um, in the late nineties, um, my late brother Paul, um, who was an accountant, he moved back from um, the UK and he uh, bought a supervalue in Tongarvan with my other older brother Brian. Okay. And um, I had um, moved off. I went to college in Galway for four years, and I'd spent uh, two years in France. Um, I had studied hotel management. And I'd spent a bit of time in the States as well. And basically, um, I ended up um, being being one of the managers in the shop in, in Dungarvan. And uh, throughout the early noughties, then um, I bought into the business because in the Hurley family, you get nothing for free. You have, okay. to, you, have <laughs> yeah. to, you have to pay for everything, even even if you're getting a sandwich in your own shop, you have to pay for it. Yeah. So um, I would have bought into the business um, and we would have started expanding store by store then in the early noughties. So... Um, in, in around 99, I think it was, we opened um, Central Oliver Plunkett Street. Uh, in 2001, we would have opened Central Grand Parade. Um, then in 2004, we would have purchased uh, Central Fumoy. Uh, in 07, we purchased Mallow. In 2010, we purchased Mill Street. Um, and in the middle of all this, we sold off Dungarvan and um, because we really were concentrating on the centre side of things, more of the super value. Mm. And then our newest baby, which we opened in 2019, is on Patrick Street, right next to what was formerly Debenhams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you have three in the city centre. That's right. Is there, Are they not kind of cannibalising each other or is there a market, are different kind of customers for each one? No, there's a market there. I mean, we've got the three corners of the city. So we've got Grand Parade, we've got Oliver Plunkett Street and we've got uh, Patrick Street. Yeah. And they're all around 300 to 400 metres apart from each other. Mm. So our whole business is reliant on footfall. People passing outside the front door, looking up, seeing the Central brand, number one, because it is a very, very strong brand, seeing Hurley's brand next to it. And we're very well known, thankfully, throughout the city and the suburbs and indeed in North Cork. And people say, I know I'm going to go in there because I'm going to get a clean shop. I'm going to get a, a good sandwich or I'm going to get good service if I'm buying mm. my coffee or my cigarettes or whatever it is. Yeah. So we'd have... We would have customers in the city centre that would shop in all three shops and then we have customers that just shop in each individual shop as well. Interesting. And like you said there a while ago that you went to college in Galway for a bit. Um, 
So you, you didn't have plans to get into the, the whole retail sector at all, did you? No, no. My original plan was really um, to open kind of a, a Clancy's type bar bistro. Okay. Uh, so I would have worked part time for um, Dan O'Sullivan, who owned Clancy's at the time. Yeah. Um, when I was in school and when I was in college, I was very interested in catering and bar and accommodation and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I went yeah. off to Galway and I did a degree in hotel and catering management. And as part of that, I got to go to travel to France. Um, so I did uh, a year in a place called Beaulieu sur Mer, which is between uh, Monte Carlo and Nice. nice. Uh, it was absolutely fabulous. And then when I came back, I did my finals. And then I went back out to France and I was a system manager in an Irish pub in a place called Le Mans where the 24-hour uh, yeah, racetrack yeah. is just outside of Paris. And I spent a year there and that's at that stage then uh, I got the calling from home to, to get to get back and get, and get, get, get stuck, stuck in, in, you know. And you weren't tempted to kind of say, lads, no, I'm not getting involved. I'm, I'm going to stick to the hospitality sector. Well, the one thing that turned me off the hospitality uh, business is the hours okay. and in retail you know well when you own your own business you're on call 24-7 but generally speaking I would kind of work Monday to Saturdays and try and take Sundays off okay. or if Munster are playing I'm taking Saturdays off and working Sundays depending yeah, yeah. Um, and in the hospitality game and I still have a lot of friends that are working in that business you know it is a lot of weekends it is a lot of late nights yeah. you know when I was working in in France um, I, I, I would have worked until 2.30 in the morning five nights a week mm. you know when I worked in Nice I would have worked from half eight in the morning till 11 o'clock at night doing split shifts you know so you know there's a quality of life which is required as well and I think um, it was a very good experience I'm very much into customer service and the customer being looked after uh, and there's no better way to learn how a customer is looked after than working in a five star hotel with two Michelin stars in a restaurant because they really do get pampered Yeah and I suppose you can transfer that into the retail sector then as well because Obviously, you have to train your own team. You have to try and get that kind of friendliness across to the customers and, and all of that as well. Yeah, and we even do that today, Stephen. Like, I mean, uh, or even yesterday, I should say, I, had a, I was doing a, a, a training course with um, uh, customer service champions. So we would have two cost, what we call customer service champions within each store. And their job is very, very simple. Um, as well as being, say, a deli assistant or, or a supervisor or, or, or cashier, their job is to go around and make sure that um, that the, the, the staff are all really well groomed and attired. You know, their hair is brushed. Yeah. They're not wearing, you know, uh, excessive makeup or, or nails or anything like that. That their that their uniforms are ironed. That they're wearing the correct shoes and that they're, you know, that they really look good in front of the customer. And that's really it's it's a little bit like theatre. It's a little bit like you know, if a customer comes into a shop and they see a guy with scraggy hair and yeah, yeah, uh, dirty yeah. nails and that kind yeah. of thing they'll turn around and they say you know what I'm not going to get my sandwich here I'm going to get it yeah. down the road so I'm very much into that and that would have been something that I would have learnt in, in the hospitality industry and I try and carry that on into my retail career And do you do a lot of stuff around kind of research around customers and like where they travel within the store and I know because one or two of your shops are bigger than the other so like you know you yeah. could probably play around with things Yeah I mean we have very much different customer profiles so if you take our store out in Bishopstown yeah. um, you know you've got the, the 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 person who's what I would call doing the top up shop so they might go to the multiple uh, once a week the, the yeah. one of the big multiples be it 
Dunn's Tesco's or, or, or Aldi or whoever and they would do their, their main weekly shopping and then say halfway through the week they're coming up coming into us and they're doing mm-hmm. a top up shop they might be getting a bottle of wine they might be getting they might have ran out of tea yeah. they might be getting you know they might be going to the deli they might you know we have a full uh, scratch bakery within that store as well um, you know where you, we do our own homemade scones and apple yeah. tarts and all that kind of stuff so they might be coming in getting fresh foods as well um, so that would be the kind of profile of that customer out there and obviously we've got the 20,000 students Yeah who, which are there for six months of the year or whatever yeah, yeah seven well, months they're, they're there for about 38 weeks of the year but they're yeah. they're a great asset to our business as well because they're they're great for the old chicken rolls yeah. and, they're, and they're and they're great to buy the the uh, uh, stuff from the off licence as well which is uh, which is a good thing um, but then if you take the customer profile inside and say the city centre so the store which is located close to us here on Oliver Plunkett Street all our customers are coming from either the South Mall, uh, you know, guys working in offices, in banks, etc. Uh, you've got people working in the likes of, say, Pennies yeah. um, or, or in, or in uh, auctioneers on Oliver Plunkett Street and all that kind of stuff. And that's our regular clientele and they're coming into us every day. So what they're purchasing would be one of the four quadrants, what we call, um, within the store and in, in the city centre. So you've got, um, the, we, we sell a lot of cigarettes in, in our city centre stores. We sell a lot of what we call impulse, which would be like chocolate, crisps, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Um, we sell a lot of deli products. So we've got a hot and a cold deli. And then we have a huge business in what we call services, which would be the predominantly lotto and leap cards. Oh, yeah. um, so we're the biggest leap card um, agent in Munster. Um, outside of Dublin in fact we have a huge business for it um, sometimes to our detriment unfortunately because the margins are quite low so if there's yeah, anybody from yeah. the NTA listening hear my, hear my plea <laughs> And is there a similar thing with that um, uh, a lot of shops have kind of pu- pulled away from the top ups of the, the phones and stuff like that Vodafones and Tree and all of that kind of stuff Well that's really just a dying thing because um, the contracts are just so cheap now Okay. So 10, yeah. 15 years ago, we would have sold a lot of top up, but yeah. it's a very, very small part of the business. You've just seen so. that evolve and yeah. diminish over yeah, time. Yeah, and that would be down to the phone companies doing that, nothing that we ha- would have done. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I mean, the leap cards are, are huge. Like, they're, they're a massive part of, and it's only going to grow with bus connects yeah. and all of the, you know, the plans that the, the NTA have, um, which I think are fabulous from an environmental point of view. Um, I think they're great and you know I suppose where there is a service that people will, will be able to come in top up their leap card and our hope is that they might buy something else then when they're in there something that we make money out of That's the great thing about having services that I suppose uh, you'll have the kind of luxury goods or whatever maybe stuff that non-essential uh, that they'll pick up as they get to the till they'll say oh, I might get a bar of chocolate or I might get a sweets yeah. or chungum or something like that or a drink or something. I suppose, but we've done a lot of research on that. I suppose kind of between 20 to 25% of customers would buy something else. And in a store like like Oliver Plunker Street, like, do you have any idea of how many people would walk through the door every week? Oh, we do indeed. So what we do is we, we would take our, our gross sales yeah. and we would divide that then by the amount of, um, by the... Uh, average uh, sale yeah. uh, which comes up on our computer so basically in that store we have about 20,000 transactions a week so that's 20,000 pairs of shoes coming in and out coming in and out yeah from 6.30 on Monday morning until 11 o'clock on Sunday night and is that your busiest one? Um, no the one on Patrick Street's actually busier than that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so it would be Patrick Street would be the busiest followed by Grand Parade followed by Oliver Plunk Street but they're all pretty much 
close close uh, knit and we've different customer profiles within each store then like I mean the store in Grand Parade is kind of it's the one that's busiest at the weekends there in the evening time sure if you ever fell yeah. out of any of the nightclubs yeah. or pubs or anybody that's listening to this uh, they would have gone in late at night jam sure. bond, chicken, chicken roll yeah. and, uh, and all of that kind of stuff so yeah. that's the, that shop we call it the zoo because <laughs> it can get a, it can get a bit mad but to be fair we've security there seven nights a week two security guards at the weekend and to be honest with you you know people that come in 99% of them are actually grand. They're happy. Yeah. They might be, you know, a little bit tipsy mm. or whatever it is, but 99% of them don't cause any trouble and, and it's always a really good atmosphere actually in the store at the weekends. And it's probably one of the only shops around that's opened all night now, is it? Um, a lot of them have pulled away from that type of stuff. I mean, a like, lo- yeah, a lot of stores have because of security and, and you know, all yeah. the different issues that go on. But uh, to be fair, that store has worked for us and we've kept it open. You know? Yeah, yeah. And like the food section then you were saying about, you know, uh, Hurley Foods. Um, When did you decide to kind of go at that rather than get it from someone else? It was really from kind of around 2004, 2005. Yeah. We wanted to make a difference than just the normal kind of what we would call the factory sandwich. Yeah. So, the, you know, the sandwiches that are in the kind of cardboards that yeah. certain people like, we sell them still. Yeah. There is a market for them. Personally, I don't like them. Yeah. But we decided that we wanted to go after a market that would like a good product at a reasonable price. Yeah. So if you take, for example, uh, you come into any of our stores now in the city centre or out in Bishopstown and, um, you know, you can just go up, you could just get a pre-packed sandwich which is made in store that morning. Uh, it might be sale something like a chicken and stuffing sandwich and you're going up to the till, you're paying four fifty for it. It's a reasonable price. We all know about food inflation and all of that at the moment. Yeah. If you went into a restaurant, you're going to pay eight or nine euros for that. Yeah, it's a big difference. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you do cakes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, as well. exactly. And like the whole thing for me, um, you know, obviously we're we're in business to 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 make a living and to make money, but quality is a huge, huge thing yeah. for me. And I do not believe in serving or, or selling substandard products. And you know how it works with with Musgraves, uh, who are uh, the 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 arm of Musgraves, who we de- we deal with, are called MRPI Musgrave Retail Partners Ireland, and how we would work with them is we would purchase our products from them. And to be fair to them, um, they uh, go out into the marketplace and they research and they come up with the, they, they source the best products and we would buy the majority of our products from them then. And these would be raw materials yeah. like some bread, chicken, etc. And then we make up the products ourselves in store. And then on the other side of that, obviously we've got our own, what we call our scratch bakery and scratch kitchen. So we've got our own, the likes of lasagnas, dinners, shepherd's pies, all of that kind of stuff. We make that in our production facility in Fromoy and we have a van on the road then five days a week going around to our different stores distributing it out. And we would also have um, a scratch bakery down there whereby we're producing scones, apple tarts, Rocky Roads, which were very famous for yeah. biscuit cakes, yeah. caramel slices. The all choices, the nice things in life. The choices, yeah. All the very nice things in life. Yes, exactly. Like, do you sell that to other, other stores then as well or just to yourselves? No, we would have tried back in the day, but um, we really just try and concentrate it yeah. within our own seven stores. And like, you know, a lot of people listening, they, they're often wondering what are the benefits to be kind of running a franchise like Centra or something like that. You know, like, what would you say it is? Well, there's two things. Okay, so it's actually 
technically speaking, it's not a franchise. Okay, and this yeah. is the myth that a lot yeah. of people have. Yeah. So I'll reveal the secret how it works, okay? Yeah. Um, if you had a franchise, say for example, if Subway or, or McDonald's yeah. or something like that, yeah. every euro that goes into the till, the franchise master or the franchisor, whatever you want to mm. call him, he takes, say, 7 or 8% of that euro that goes into the till okay. before anything happens. Yeah. The way it works in Centra is you purchase 95% of your product either directly from Musgraves or through a system called Central Billing. And then you get to trade under their brand. You get to use all their IT systems. You've got all their the advice from their fresh food advisors. You've got um, marketing support. Um, the list is endless. And it's the whole relationship between the retailer and Musgraves is called a retail partnership. Okay. So it's basically... They're, you know, um, obviously making money out of me uh, being a retailer, and yeah, I'm obviously yeah. making money. Like if I, 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 my opinion would be if I opened up a shop in the morning and called it Kevin's Shop on Patrick Street, I don't think that I would be doing any way near the turnover of what I'm doing because I'm trading under the central brand, and it is a very, very known brand, and it's a little bit like you know, the McDonald's of this world, mm, the mm. Supermax or whatever yeah. you want to call it. You know, you're going you're going into a store because you know it's a good store. Yeah. You know it's got good standards. And if we didn't have good standards and we were the guys with the dirty fingernails, yeah. you know, they, they, there are guys that do leave um, not just Centra, they do leave Spar, they leave other, other uh, retail partnerships and other franchises if they're not performing. So you've got to perform. You've got a standard to keep and you know, I would hope uh, uh, that we do keep that standard at a high time, uh, at a high standard all the time. Yeah. So you're saying that they look after the likes of marketing and stuff for you then as well. So, do you ever get a dedicated marketing budget, or do you have to do that yourselves? So uh, there would be, for example, there'd be a marketing charge every week that they would charge you, and that goes to pay for the likes of the GAA sponsorship. So they obviously, okay. like, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know. You've got 85,000 people inside in Croke Park on All-Ireland Day and unfortunately Cork aren't there very often. Yeah. But, um, you know, the central the brand. brand is all over it. You've got um, the ads, the bus stops, all of the different things like the marketing department in Musgraves are absolutely fantastic, I would have to say. Um, and, you know, they're a very good company to deal with as well. Yeah, because I suppose your family were quite ahead of the time maybe taking on the centre brand but I suppose with your father working on Musgraves he had an idea of how successful it was going to be did he? I don't know did he know back then how big it was going to grow like I think they're close to 500 centres now throughout Ireland so we were one of the first in Bishopstown and um, The first in the country? Yeah yeah. so what happened was the in Musgraves they had a brand called VG in the 1970s Yeah, and um, around the uh, late 70s they split it into two so they made Centra the convenience operation yeah. and then they made SuperValue the supermarket operation and that's how that all that's how that all was formed so um, so we went obviously the, the shop in Bishopstone was never going to be a SuperValue it was never big enough so we went down the Centra route but I mean back then it was a very very different time it was a very different business we were selling peas and beans and yeah. I was behind the counter packing the shelves or, or packing the bags for my mother at like four years of age when I couldn't or four or five years of age I couldn't even see over the counter and my brother Brian used to be down the down the aisles trying to catch the young fellas in Bishopstown <laughs> robbing and all of that kind of stuff and we still use that story when we're doing our induction for any of our new staff and we are employing 300 staff throughout the throughout the company now 300 across the seven yeah. 
seven yeah, shops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And does your mother stay involved in any capacity, or is she just kind of watch from a distance now? Well, she's quite she's quite elderly now, but she's still very much um, uh, uh, got it together. And yeah. she sh- she shops in the one in Bishopstown, and um, yeah. she's very funny because. I could say to her, you know, uh, the one in Gra- the shop in Grand Parade is, is um, you know, we did fantastic last week, and she'd say, "Yes, but tell me about Bishopstown because that's where her heart yeah. is," you know, and that's that's lovely as well. I think you know that she, but she still she doesn't come to the city that often. But up until recently, she would have called into us, and when my dad was alive as well, he would have called in, you know, uh, often just to see how we were doing, how we we're getting on. But um, yeah, it still certainly, or my mom would still have an active interest in. And it. what does she make of the expansion going from that one shop in Bishopstown to the the, the three hundred? Staff that you have today. Well, this is where it gets very interesting now, Stephen, because my dad would be a little bit like myself and, um, and my brother, a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. He was yeah. willing to sell his lovely house on Orchard Road uh, and and move out to this cottage in Bishopstone and, and take a chance. Where, as my mother is from Westmead, she'd be a little bit more conservative and she would yeah. have been a little bit like, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? Kind yeah. of thing. But uh, <laughs> to be fair to her, she's been very supportive to us yeah. um, right throughout our. Uh, our careers, she's been very, very supportive, and, and my dad would have been as well when he was alive, you know. And like as you move forward, then like, will you continue to expand the business? Will you continue to look for other opportunities to to grow? the Hurley brand or own Cork and beyond or what will you do? Absolutely, yeah. The plan is we're hoping to open another uh, between one and three stores over the next few years. Um, the plan was uh, around 2015 that we were going to try and open one in the next in three years after that. We eventually got, we got the correct site and we opened in 2019. COVID kind of put a bit of a spanner in the yeah, works. Everyone yeah. kind of just battened down the hatches for a couple of years. Now we're out of that. I think the economy is very strong and buoyant. Yeah. Um, despite the increased cost of living, despite the increased energy and all the food inflation that's going on, you know, the economy is in good, it's in a good state. And even if you look at the news last night, you know, there's the, the, the multinationals are really driving everything. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have, say, seven or eight good, very good friends that are working in multinationals and they're all doing very well, so... Yeah, like, and you've obviously seen habits change over the years in terms of what people buy as well. Like, like for example, in the 80s, no one was buying coffee, but I'd imagine you sell a lot of coffee inside in those type of shops with the Frank and Honest brand and things like that, do you? Yeah, it's huge. Coffee, coffee is a massive thing, and, and this is another winner that most graves would have, would have come up with, like, you know, up until 2015, 2016, actually, um, the 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 brand was just kind of Centra coffee. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't mean anything. It was fine. It was okay. I yeah. used to drink it myself. Yeah. But they went off and they did a huge amount of research. They brought in some outside companies and they created this brand. And this brand is absolutely huge. Now it's been a massive success story for Musgrave. So Frank and Honest is a huge part of our business. Um, it's a really good coffee. I'd recommend to any of your listeners if mm. they haven't tasted it to go and taste it. Um, it's a nice smooth blend. And yeah. I'm definitely not a connoisseur, but I know what I like, and I think a lot of people would be the same. They know what they like, they know what they don't like. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of coffee brands out there that I don't like the taste of the coffee. Um, and I, th- I think the Frank and Honest is a very, very good brand. And I'm not just saying that now because I sell it. Yeah. Uh, but I would really think that. But going back to your other question um, in relation to to the expansion, um, we in the last seven or eight years would have looked at other opportunities to expand. One of them would have been trying to, um, you know, sell our product out to different businesses. Yeah. That was something we looked at. Mm. We then looked at, um, I, I went to a, a franchising exhibition in, in Paris and found this 
pro or this 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 franchise, and I was like, okay, let's would we would this work in Cork? And we went to look yeah. at it. It was kind of a, a healthy fast food franchise. I won't even yeah. tell you the name. No, I can, I can barely remember it. And when we looked at this whole diversification uh, model and strategy, we kind of really looked at it deeply. And after a couple of months, we said, you know what? Why do we want to go down a road where we're not sure where we're going to be going. Yeah. It's a little bit like a rugby player taking up soccer for all the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. And trained in one thing, you know. Yeah, trained, trained in one thing, you know, this is in our DNA. Yeah. You know, we've grown up in it, we've worked all our lives in it, and then all of a sudden you're kind of going, hmm, you know, will we try this? And I, I'd be kind of adventurous and, and willing to take a risk. Yeah. Maybe more so than my brother Brian. Uh, but at the end of the day, we kind of turned around. We said, you know what? We're going to stick to what we're good at. We're going to stick to what we know. So I think if there's any expansion plans, they would be down the centre route. And you just keep to the centre. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we spoke at the, at the beginning, you know, your involvement in the Cork Business Association. You don't have to do that. No. So, so why, why, why bring more? Like you know, you were saying, Margot, that potentially you could get calls in any hour of the night. Why take on a role as president of the Cork Business Association? I just didn't have enough to do. That's what my wife tells me. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously. What happened was, I would have always been a member, and um, I was asked to go on to the executive in around 2020, which would be like the committee yeah. to represent retailers in the city. There was an, there's another um, lady on the executive called Julie Evans, yeah. who oversees Opera Lane. And that was kind of fashion retail. They wanted somebody in food retail to go on. So I went on to the executive and my friend Ono Sullivan was the president and he nominated me to go in uh, as his vice and it kind of just morphed from there and I was elected in, as president last year. So it's a... It's a voluntary role yeah. I don't get paid anything yeah. for it um, but it's hugely satisfying I really really am enjoying it yeah. um, you know I'm a bit of a people person I like to talk as you can see yeah, from the last yeah, half yeah, an hour yeah, yeah. and I like to meet people and I, 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 I get a real kick out of helping people as well so in the CBA my role as president has been very much going out meeting other retailers meeting yeah. the likes of restaurants uh, telling telling people how what I've done in my business yeah. and you know some people would agree with what I've done and I'll come on to that in a second one of the, one a strange thing which we did and other people might say Jesus do you know what I might try that so what what I'm getting to here is um in when we came out of covid we had a huge staffing problem yeah, was, yeah. as did every central yeah. super value pub every business nearly restaurant yeah. pharmaceutical the whole shebang everyone was short of yeah. staffed staff and I sat down and I said, how are we going to fix this? Mm. And I came up with a solution um, through working with a recruitment agency um, in, in Split in um, Croatia. Yeah. By bringing people in from Europe and actually putting them into houses and charging them rent in a, a house which is managed by us okay. and not making any money out of it whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but ensuring that this person comes to gets off the plane in or gets off the train or the bus or whatever at Cork, we collect them, we bring them out to their new accommodation, we give them two weeks um, uh, free accommodation in the house. We then literally charge them the the amount that either the landlord is charging us as the head tenant, or else we went away and we purchased a house as well, and we're the landlord in that house, and we have tenants in the in the houses that are uh, working for us. And this has been hugely successful. We know 34 of our 300 staff 
being housed throughout mm. Cork City. So we've a house in the likes of Glasheen, Magazine Road, we've one in Blackpool, we've one off Douglas Street, yeah. we've another one up in Wilton and we've another one on, coming on stream in the next two months. So this is something that as, as president of the CBA, I would have um, spoken at, at different uh, meetings about it and um, you know, some people said to me, "Jesus, you're mad! Like, what? What, what are you, that what are you doing? Yeah. Like, but I would be. I'm a landlord in my in my in my other profession as well, so I would. Um, I'd be experienced at it, and it's actually not that. It's not that hard. And what we found is we the quality of staff that we've been getting into the company is very very good. But um, m- moving certainly more in certain stores more towards a full time person has uh, proved to be very very successful for us. Yeah, whereas traditionally in in kind of the retail sector, it would have been kind of part-time jobs everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, there would have been. And we still have a lot of part-timers working in our store in the likes of Fromoy and, and Bishopstown and whatever. Mm. But in the city centre, we've certainly moved. Um, now, like, I think we still have maybe 14 or 15 students throughout the, the three stores. But before COVID, that might have been double that, you know. And the the whole thing about these uh, people that, are, that we're bringing in through... Um, uh, a friend of mine, Vinko is his name, who who owns this recruitment agency, uh, Labyrinth Recruitment. They're based in uh, Split in Croatia and I can give the details to anybody if they wanted to know. Um, the great thing about these people is they're over here to earn money and and experience a new culture. Okay. Yeah. So, for example, I've got one guy, or, sorry, a couple that, that, that came over and uh, they're, they're both working for me in different stores and um, their plan is to spend about four years here and earn as much money as they can. They're uh, they're living in one of our houses. They're paying very, very reasonable rent, I would say. Yeah. And their plan is to save as much as they can, go back to their country in four years' time. They've a, they've a year and a bit done. And uh, they're going to buy a house and they'll probably buy it for cash because the country they're from, the property prices are very low okay. and the wages are very low. And they're, yeah. earning, they're earning here in a week what they would earn in four weeks. Um, uh, back home you know and also on top of that they're jumping on the bus they're using their leap cards they're going down to Kinsale they're going down to Baltimore yeah. they're going to Killarney they're going to, to yeah. all the different hot spots especially when the weather is good and they're loving Ireland and I think that's a fabulous thing Yeah because stereotypically you know people kind of say oh they come over they don't spend any money here but that's wrong I'd say they actually do I'd say do they, do they, they enjoy life as well while they're here do they? Oh certainly yeah yeah and we would we would do quite a um, quite a few events during the year you know mm. we have a football match there now oh, with, yeah. between uh, uh, different stores we have that every every summer and you know there'd be a, a bit of a session that you know you've got your Christmas party yeah. we would do a, a fundraiser for um, different charities for the for the Cork City Marathon we'd be doing the relay yeah. and we have a night out after that so you know they get involved in all of those kind of things and um, yeah I suppose certainly they're they're probably saving their money. They're saving a certain amount of money to, to send home every month. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, I probably would be doing the same if I was in their shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know? And like, you wouldn't do the same with maybe if there was uh, someone from up the country wanted to come down and live in Cork? Absolutely. I have a girl, one girl in, in my house. She's actually just entering our management team. She's from Dunmanway. Yeah. She had a problem with her accommodation and she was going to have to move home. Yeah. We stepped in and we put her into one of the houses and she loves it there. And she's actually, as I said, no, she's just been promoted from a supervisor up to a, a duty manager and she's moving out to one of the other stores next week. So... So when you kind of have said this to other businesses, what's their kind of genuine kind of response? Like, are they... It's been mixed, yeah. certainly. Uh, there's another prominent retailer in Cork who's doing it and he has been doing it longer than I have and he's found it very successful. 
Um, there are other people that they would run a million miles with. They just would rather close their stores or close their businesses than yeah, have yeah. to deal with the yeah. accommodation. And it's not without its workload. You know, you can have, you know, we had issues with one in one of the houses at, at Christmas with somebody smoking in the house and yeah. that kind of thing, you know, and you've got to deal with those kind of things. But nothing majorly bad has happened, thankfully, so far. Yeah, and you don't have capacity. I presume you're renting all your stores. Like you don't have capacity above the stores to house people there, do you? Um, well, we we're we're renting a few of our stores, but we own the majority of them. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. But, but we don't um, we don't really have accommodation yeah. uh, above them. No, no. Like if I could bring you into the store in Oliver Plunkett Street, it's really tight out the back. The storeroom and the canteen, the toilets, and the office. Like they're you know you. Definitely no room for anyone to go sleep in there. Yeah, yeah. No, because a few weeks ago we had Paul Gallagher on from Sketchers and his thing was that he'd love to see more people live in the city, like above all the shops. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, no, like we're, we're, like for example, the store on Oliver Plunkett Street, we're renting it and there's six apartments overhead and and I would love to see um, more people living in the city centre. I live in the city centre myself and um, I think it's a great buzz living in the city and you know, the problem with the, a lot of these buildings and if you even look at Patrick Street upstairs over a lot of the shops that are actually occupied, yeah, the 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 rooms upstairs are vacant and this is just down to fire regulations, okay, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm banging the drum as president of the CPA, CBA, we're banging the drum uh, that the developers need to start building apartments in the city centre. It's the only way forward. The 15 minute, minute model and the whole thing about Cork becoming... Um, you know, uh, uh, twice the size by 2040. That's not going to happen by building housing estates out in suburbs of Cork. Yeah, They've got to start building these apartments down in the Docklands. The planning is there. Um, you know, they're saying it's not feasible at the moment. Yeah, I, I proposed to the government recently that they should take the VAT off, the, off, off apartments for a short period of time to let the developers get in there and start building. Um, you know they've got they've, there's initiatives coming down through the through the Department of um, of of Housing to get the developers moving, but they're not going to. It's like it's like me. I'm not going to sell a Mars bar for one fifty when I'm buying it for two euros. Yeah. It just doesn't yeah. make sense, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and you know, I know everything takes longer in in the construction business and all of that, but I firmly believe that if the government can step in now and maybe it might be on the likes of Patrick Street and other streets you know some way of coming around the fire regulations um, because you see it in Limerick you see it in Dublin over the shops they're all living there but in Cork for some reason they're not Yeah it's a strange one all right. like even in Dublin I suppose if you had a lot of apartments you'd have a young vibrant kind of population in the city who would probably you know spend a lot as well discretionary spend would be way up I'd imagine Definitely and I mean that's even evident in Cork at the moment. Like I was working on Sunday and I went out for a walk. The sun was shining. Yeah. Uh, I went out for a walk at one stage. I just walked from Patrick Street over to over to Paul Street just to meet a friend for coffee. And the streets were packed on a Sunday. Yeah. And before COVID, like, there was, Sunday was dead in Cork. There was yeah. nothing yeah. happening. And it was absolutely packed and a huge amount of, uh, of, of tourists I would think foreign people that are living in Cork and Cork people. Yeah. So, you know, the city is exceptionally vibrant now, you know, and it's a beautiful city. And I'm not just saying that because I 
I'm from here. I lived in Nice. I lived in in in, in uh, Le Mans. I lived in New York for a bit. I lived outside Boston for a bit. I well travelled and I've been to a lot of cities in the world. I have to say Cork is a beautiful city. And if you just walk around the streets, um, it's got massive character and it's got massive, massive things going for it. So I really am an advocate for, you know, the government to... I hate to say the word take the finger out but really get get this going and let's get let's get these apartments move, moving and let's get these houses built and the, the Cork Business Association in general like what where does it differ from the chamber like like there's often confusion there between the yeah, two yeah there is there is and I suppose if to put it in a nutshell um, and we're we get on very well with the chamber and with Connor Connor Healy and and his his uh, colleagues but to put it in a nutshell I suppose if you would say Cork Business Association represents the local centra and Cork Chamber represents Pfizer's, let's put it like that. You okay, know? they're yeah. representing bigger industries. They're a much bigger body than us. Yeah, um, and and they do a super job. I would have to say, and you know, they're great. They're great people. We're very much orientated around representing uh, businesses in the city centre, and SMEs really is where we're at. The shop, the restaurant, the pub. The the digital uh, guy, you know, all, yeah. all of those different type of, of people were, were representing all of those people. And what I would say as well about the CBA is you don't necessarily have to be a member um, to get involved. Okay. Like, while we, we, we really do need the membership, we yeah. do need our people to pay their subscriptions. Our doors are always open if somebody, you know, had a query or a problem or, and came to us and said, look, I'm not a member, but can you help me? No problem doing that because at the end of the day it's all about Cork. Yeah, and you have an office on South Mall, haven't you? That's right, yeah, just a few doors down from here. So yeah. we would have Helen Murphy, um, she's the business and communications manager down there. She'd be the full-time person in the office. Then there's a, what we call an executive. So we've got somebody representing retail, somebody representing um, the hotels, somebody representing the restaurants, somebody res- representing the bars. We've got somebody representing digital. We have a planner, Um I'm trying to think now who else they'll probably kill me if they listen to this and and, and uh, just like to butcher the bacon on the canvas yeah, yeah, exactly. kind of going yeah exactly exactly yeah so like you've got you've got pretty much somebody from everywhere and you know everybody's trying to do their bit it's a tough gig I would yeah. say that it's a tough gig to try and get things done like we have a representative from Cork City Council on the exec as well and we have a representative from the Gardaí and this is obviously a big thing that we're shouting about at the moment as well, security on the streets. Yeah. We've written to Drew Harris, Minister Simon Harris, every councillor in Cork City Council, every TD in Cork. We're asking for more guardie on the streets for more security because it is a big issue in the city centre. To put it in a nutshell, I suppose, it, 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 there is a lot of general security issues that are going on on the streets in around the city centre, not far from here. And... I just think that if we get more Gardaí, they're getting, the guards are doing their best, but they're getting tied up in all the paperwork. And Chief Superintendent Tom Myers has gone public on this in saying that, that, you know, you've got a guard over in the courthouse for an eight hour shift during a case when he could be out on the street. Yeah. And this is why the system is wrong. But the other thing about it is they haven't got a lot of guys going through Templemore at the moment and they are doing a big recruitment drive. I'm sure you've seen yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully that will abate in the next couple of years and that there would be more guards. This would be a big thing for us. At one stage, there was a couple of businesses around by kind of the Colk area that kind of came together and paid for their own uh, security team. Is that happening anymore? I'm not sure, but my stores all have um, on-site static security every night. Um, you know we have to really and it's really down to 
um, the safety of the staff. It's not the safety of the stock. Mm. When I'm doing training with them, I always say to them, the security guard is there prote- to protect you. If a guy walks out with a can of beer, yeah. so be it. Once you don't get attacked or or, yeah. or, or or beaten up or harmed, that's the big thing for me. I don't want any of my staff because I have about 90 working for me in the city centre and I just, it's it's in, Power, really important for me just that they uh, that their safety that is paramount safe yeah, and, yeah. And, and I suppose you also want a safe environment for families and tourists because you don't want to feel them to feel unsecure when they're in the city centre definitely and I was on a, a call yesterday with, with council and with the Guardian and I expressed my concern about Patrick Street about the, you know there's a lot of begging going on in Patrick Street mm. and um, you know Dublin is 10 times worse everybody is saying that yeah. All cities, it's happening in every city across the world. Yeah. I was in Nice just before COVID and I saw it with my own eyes and um, it is happening everywhere. But it's 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 just, it's not nice for a tourist to come into Cork from wherever they're coming from and walking up out of a Plunka Street and a guy coming up with a cup saying, you know, yeah. spare any change and being intimidating and that kind of thing. It's just not good. It's not nice. Yeah, but on on the positive side of it, then I suppose we're seeing the the new Docklands area and all of that kind of reemerge with kind of new offices. Are you seeing an impact from that, or is it too far away? Well, from a from my own business perspective, we're not really seeing an impact of, uh, as of yet. But I mean, if the, with all the development up around the Grand Parade area, so you've got the new Finns Corner yes. apartments, and there's a, a, a restaurant going in downstairs. Uh, in that, you've got the old Argos building, the Queensall Castle. Yeah. That's, there's a huge plan for that. Um, you've got on Patrick Street, you've got a huge plan for the old Quills building, uh, for Mango to go in there. Yeah. There's apartments also going in there. The Bishop Lucy Park development, you've got the event centre, Touchwood, which hopefully will uh, yeah. kick off in 2023. That's what, what, what the hope is. Um, and uh, you know you've got a load of development happening within the city centre mm. cohort. Like when the, when the event centre starts, and when that's being built, then BAM have said, yes, when that happens, we'll start building the hotel. Okay. You know, on Sullivan's Quay, which is a nice sort to everyone. Yeah, the, the old tax office that's just kind of left abandoned at the moment, just rubble, correct. really. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. yeah, so you've got that as well. And, like, no doubt the Docklands will be brilliant for the city as well. And as I said, like, you know, uh, the, 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 the apartments and the industry that will happen down there around the Goulding site will be great. You know, in the last couple of years, we've had Parky Quive and stuff redeveloped and... Have you seen a benefit from that even, you know, when the big concerts have been on and, you know, more footfall in the city? Oh, huge. It's fantastic. It's a pity there's nothing on there this year, actually. But even when there's a match this Sunday now, like I've extra staff on because we know that there's going to be a fair crowd coming down from Limerick for the for the league final there in Parky Cueve on Sunday. So, you know, uh, when, when the matches are on, it's great. It brings a lot of people into the city, even though Cork aren't in it, as I said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when, when Westlife played last summer, when Ed Sheeran played, uh, when Rod Stewart played, when, you know, even back before it was developed, when Bruce Springsteen played, we had a massive, uh, get a ma- the whole city gets a massive kick. Uh, you know, not just us. Restaurants get a big kick. Bars get a big kick. Yeah. And it's great. It's great for the city. Parky Creeve is a fabulous, um, it's a fabulous uh, facility and the more they use it, the better. So does the CBA ever kind of try and come come up with some ideas for events and stuff to bring people in uh, to help their members? Um, no, we wouldn't really. Too awkward? Be, no, it's, I suppose it's just not really in our strategy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, we, we wouldn't really be doing that. We leave that to the likes of Aiken and yeah, the other guys. You yeah, know? <laughs> he wouldn't pitch to be a whole city of something like, or, you know. No, yeah, but I mean, we, like, whenever we're asked, we, 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 we would get involved. So, like, Cork became a purple flag 
um, city last year. Yeah. And, and for anyone that doesn't know, the purple flag status means that the night, the evening time economy is safe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there would have been judges come over from the UK and they would have t- toured the city on a couple of occasions just to see was Cork a safe city at night time. And it is relatively safe compared to other cities. Yeah, yeah, and there, yeah. and that's the other, the other thing about it is there's plenty of guards on the street in the evening time. It's the daytime where they seem to be lacking. Um, and, you know, when, when that happened, the, the purple flag status, you know, we would have been involved in that and promoting it. And, you know, anything that promotes the city and is good for the city, you know, like the jazz festival, for example, you know, we were involved in, in working with uh, Diageo on that now and, and trying to promote that as well. Yeah, so those type of events are where you kind of get get involved, probably Patrick's Festival, Jazz Festival, Choral Festival type, type stuff, is it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Whatever we can do to to help these these guys that are that are organising the festivals, we will. So going forward, you have another year left in, in the CBA. I do, I do. <laughs> and after that... Um, Will you just pack it in then, or what? What will you do? Uh, well, what normally happens is when you when you finish your term as presidency, you go on to what they call the board, okay, yeah. board of directors, which is which is a lot less work. Yeah. Um, the the president, the the main kind of body of work of the president is kind of attending things. So yeah. I've got the Lord Mayor now coming tomorrow morning. We're going. We we had our awards last month or at the end of February. Yeah. Um, the the business awards. So we're going around to a few of the the winners tomorrow with the Lord Mayor just to get do a photo shoot and you know, have a bit of fun with the, yeah, the, yeah. the winners, so that kind of thing. So I uh, really, after the year, um, I could just go, go on and become, become a director and I'd probably uh, try and get back into the, more back into the day job. And back into Let the my day brother job. go golfing more, you know. And, and, and get back into trying to expand in the business, that's probably the Yeah, um, yeah that, I think that will happen as well. I'd be happy enough that that will happen. Kevin, we finished the podcast with three questions each week. So okay. the first one, is what tip would you give another business to build their brand? I'm just thinking maybe somebody in retail or somebody in kind of groceries or something along those lines. Well, the the first tip I would say for any SME is you've got to be hands on. You've got to be there, and if you're not there, you've got your team has got to be uh, uh, as strong uh, as yeah. you. And this this saying that myself and my brothers always say, you know, like I mean, across the seven stores, uh, you know how good a manager is. Uh, when he goes away on holidays and how well the store runs in his absence. Yeah. And, and and that would even be the same up at our level. You know, when we go away, if our managers are managing the stores um, to the way we want them, you know, then that's a good thing. It, it's, it's very much hands-on. And when I say being hands-on, I don't mean, you know, I've no problem going sweeping the floor, packing a shelf. I was on the till up in the Grand Parade shop there at lunchtime today because we were short-staffed. I've no problem getting stuck in. I've been a hard worker since since I was a child. But um, just just to be there and to be hands on, that's the big thing for me. Yeah, and to show support to the staff and stuff yeah. like that as well, to show that you're around and you're not just taking the money or whatever, you know. Because there's sometimes this perception of that with business owners, isn't it? Absolutely, there? yeah. And we would we would be very would show a lot of empathy towards our staff. You know, yeah. you know, people coming in with say personal problems or, yeah. or, or even financial problems, whatever. You know, we're very much uh, at the end of the day, even though we're a big company, you know, we're a family business at the end of the day, and and that's what you know. It's very much part of our uh, of our objective to make sure ha- that the staff are happy and that they're well looked after. I give you a quick example. We we, we did a review of our uniforms and okay. uh, and you're talking about um, 
uh, is it? It's not Declan. Declan's boss, the guy from Skechers. Uh, oh, pa- Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah. So Paul. I met Paul at a at a at a, at a function up in the Dean, and uh, he said, "You know, if you ever want our safety shoes, uh, the Skechers safety shoes, uh, give me a shout. We'll, you know, we could do we could do a deal." So I kind of thought about it anyway. I went back and I started investigating it within our own stores. The safety shoes that we were using were like something that prisoners would wear. Like they're <laughs> yeah. awful. They're just so uncomfortable, and yeah. people turning out, turning around, saying, "I can't wear them. I've got a bad back." And then under the under the legislation, we've got to um, uh, they've got to have these steel toe cap shoes. So then I turned around. I said, "Okay, did the deal uh, with 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 Declan, who, who who works with Skechers as well, and um, works for Paul." And uh, now all of a sudden, all my staff were there with like Skechers. These these like. They're like runners with steel toe caps in there. They're all delighted, you know, and they're all so happy. They say, my God, my feet are great. This is super, you know. So. Just one little change. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's amazing, like that, what a difference or a vibe that, that can create in amongst the staff as well. It does, absolutely. And the other thing, we, we would offer like half-price gym, mem- gym, gym membership as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if somebody wants to join a gym, I have a deal with One Life Fitness there in Cork. Yeah. Um, Veronica, and, we've, and, and, you know, a staff member comes in and says, yeah, I want to use the gym. Uh, company pays half for it and they pay for, for half themselves. Brilliant. And the second question I have is, what tip would you give an individual? And I'm thinking, you know, somebody young that wants to get into the retail business, what tip would you give them? Run a mile. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. Um, no, it's a very rewarding business. Um, I think if it's somebody young, I, I would certainly try and um, go and work for a company that would look after you. And I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but we invest a lot of time in our staff. We have a full management training programme. We send them out on courses and there's an awful lot of in-store training that we do with them. We firmly believe that our store managers um, are the ones who have our DNA. They're the guys who would have started working on the till, worked their way up. So for example, um, I I know he'll kill me for saying it, but Greg, my store manager in Oliver Plunk Street, Arrived over from Poland in 2007, started working on the till in our store in Mallow, worked his way up to training manager, assistant manager. He's now managing that store, managing 20 people. And he knows how, how myself and my brother want the stores run. Yeah. Um, I'm not dissing the multiples or, or any of the German discounters or anything like that, but I would certainly say that we, a company like us and a lot of other central chains and super value chains give their, their guys good uh, training. Just make sure you're trained well up before you go take the plunge and borrow a few million off the bank. Yeah, so tr- get trained and, and, and feel secure that you know that this is for you probably because yeah. it is, you know, it's like a vocation as well, I'd say, is it? It is, certainly is a vocation, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the last question I have is with our show sponsor, Skillsbase, we look for a skill in an industry. So what skill do you think is essential for, uh, I suppose, convenience retail? A skill, I think, would be how to deal with customers and yeah. how to deal how to deal with the public, yeah. yeah. It's just invaluable, you know. Mm. Um Take our deli departments like where, you know, you, you might have somebody who's working faster or slower than the other person. This morning, now, I was dealing with one guy in, but a man came in off the street who's blind with a, with a, on crutches and straight away he was over to him and he knew his name, made his cup of tea for him, went up to the deli, got his bits and pieces for him, brought him over to the till and then that man walked out the door, a happy man, you know, and, 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 and this guy is like fantastic guy and, you know, we've trained him like that. Now, he had, he had, empathy and he's a really nice fella as well yeah. but it's all about customer service because at the end of the day customers are the guys that are putting the money in it, into our tills we don't have customers we don't have a job and we don't have a business But that person that they looked after as well will probably come back time and time again because oh, yeah. they'll feel safe they'll feel that they they can rely on someone 
Absolutely. We've, and that makes their day easier. Yeah, yeah the, particularly the store in Grand Parade where we have a lot of elderly customers yeah. um, using the church next door, oh, attending yeah. church, yeah. a lot of them coming in there and uh, they go, they look for this guy or there's another guy, his colleague who, who's the same. They look for them, they say, is uh, such and such a guy working? And they say, oh yeah, I'll get him for you there. And, you know, he's well looked after then. They get him out the door, you know, get him to the till, get him out the door, he's happy out and away he goes. Like, And for a lot of these elderly people as well, it's sometimes it's the only um, conversation they'll yeah. have with anybody, you know, there's a lot of loneliness there. And, Social interaction yeah. in a day, yeah. like where yeah. calling into their local shop, you know, is important for them because that's the one person they see and they get to know them. They probably ask them questions and... Yeah, they do. They do. I heard that one particular guy, he's got a, a teenage daughter and yeah. I heard that uh, not today, no, but another day, the, the, the man saying, how's your daughter keeping? Because she was in on work experiences yeah. and he introduced him to the daughter and it's like, you know, and there's a, there's a really good interaction there. Yeah. And, you know... Yeah. And uh, like, the more I hear you talking about the different shops, the more I feel that there, it is a throwback to the... the the, the tradition of the local shop for the community that's still there oh it is absolutely it's all it, for me it's all about the community like if you take for example um, when stores were closed during the pandemic you know non-essential yeah. our store on Alfred Plunkett Street was taken in deliveries about four or five shops around the, the street that were forced to close because of the pandemic uh, yeah. you know yeah. and uh, we were taking we were taking deliveries in like and I remember afterwards people coming up and saying yeah that was fantastic that was just such a nice thing to do and I there was no skin off my back. You know, yeah. we took the parcels in, we put them out the back because a lot of these guys were kind of working online and yeah. they mightn't have been yeah. in on certain days and so on and so forth. And, you know, there's, that's the, the sense of community between businesses mm. and then you've got the sense of community between the business and the customer. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it, it's just great to hear it and, you know, and I think the whole, was it a centre for the way you live today or whatever, it's <laughs> kind of definitely the motto. I know they've changed over the years, yeah, the, the yeah. branding and the tagline, but it sticks in my yeah, mind because... Yeah. It it is about what's happening in a in a person's life. Absolutely, yeah. You know? The tagline now is "Live Every Day," yeah, and uh, that's what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, thanks a million for coming in. It's no been problem. a brilliant conversation. Thank you very much, Stephen. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.